I podcast all the time and you all can't even tell. I mean, I, I could be listening to another podcast right now. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Baptist Without an Adjective, a podcast of Word and Way. I'm your host, Word and Way editor and president, Brian Kaler. On this program, we'll hear from Baptists from across the denominational, ethnic, national, and ideological lines that too often divide us. At Word and Way, we've been informing and inspiring Baptists since 1896. Learn more about us at wordandway.org. This episode is sponsored in part by the Cooperative Baptist Fellowship. The Cooperative Baptist Fellowship is a network of people and churches working together to spread the hope of Christ. For more than 25 years, CBF has been driven by its mission to serve Christians and churches as they discover and fulfill their God-given mission. Join the fellowship at work in long-term global missions in more than 25 countries. Join them too as they strive to form healthy congregations and support the ministers that serve them. Put your faith to action. Visit cbf.net to get connected. In this episode, we're going to do something a little bit different. This week, I was supposed to be in Atlanta, Georgia at the Cooperative Baptist Fellowship's General Assembly. I was going to be co-leading a panel, a workshop discussion on podcasting, how to podcast, why to podcast. And my co-presenters for that panel were going to be Cliff Vaughn of EthicsDaily.com and soon to be of Good Faith Media and Sherilyn Crow of the Baptist Joint Committee. But because the General Assembly moved to a virtual format because of coronavirus and we were unable to go to Atlanta, we decided that, well, we would still have our discussion. We would still do our workshop. We would just release it virtually. And what better way to release a podcast panel than on a podcast? And so here's our conversation of what we were planning to talk about, a little less audience interaction format than we would have had, but a conversation that we hope talks about why it's important to consider podcasting and ministry today. So I hope that you find this conversation to be helpful and interesting. So here's our virtual podcast workshop, Sherilyn Crow, Cliff Vaughn, and myself, Brian Kaler. All right, well, we are not in Atlanta, but we are together virtually for this panel on podcast. And so first of all, Cliff and Sherilyn, thanks for spending some time to hop together here. And why don't we go around and each introduce our podcast, a little bit about what your show is and what it's about. And I'll, I'll start, I've, since people are probably already familiar with this if they're listening, but Baptist Without an Adjective, we launched in March of 2018. We're at about 130 episodes by the time this one hits. In that time, we have been trying to do what it says, and that is having all these different types of Baptist on the show. So we've had leaders from the largest five U.S. denominations and Baptist leaders from about two dozen different countries. So I'm Sherilyn Crow. I'm the communications director at BJC, mostly known as the Baptist Joint Committee for Religious Liberty. And so we've been have we've had the pod the BJC podcast since 2012. The last two years we've done series of podcasts. So right now we are doing a series called Respecting Religion. So each week, Amanda Tyler and Holly Holman, who both work at BJC, sit down to discuss really what's at stake for faith freedom for all in 2020. And we started this in February this year when we were thinking, oh, there's an election going on. There's an impeachment trial happening, but all these religious freedom issues are being kind of swept under the rug and there's not much focus on them. 
we should do a podcast to talk about what's happening, what's at stake. And then, of course, the world exploded and we're in a pandemic where you've got new religious freedom issues at play in these government stimulus packages. And we've had a lot more work to do in this podcast series this year. But we're really looking at each week from Supreme Court cases to legislation to really conversations happening, what's at stake. Last year, we did a series on the dangers of Christian nationalism, where that was a different format, where Amanda Tyler, who's the executive director of BJC, would interview guests for 10 weeks. Um, so, yes, yeah, so we're doing series now, and we're probably near the end of our current series, but it's um, an ongoing adventure. And I'm Cliff Vaughn. I'm the media producer at ethicsdaily.com. Ethics Daily is in the process of merging with Nurturing Faith to become Good Faith Media. So... On July 1, we will officially be Good Faith Media, but I'm the media producer. I was the writer and director of a podcast called Brother Molly, which came out in May. It's a six-episode narrative podcast on the life and work of Molly T. Marshall. And I also do support work, so I really do the narrative podcasts, of which Brother Molly was our first. Good Faith Media also has a weekly podcast called Good Faith Weekly, which is hosted by uh, the new CEO of Good Faith Media, which is Mitch Randall, our current executive director at Ethics Daily, as well as Autumn Lockett, who is our new executive director of development and marketing. So each week, Mitch and Autumn host podcasts and interview a variety of people, Judge Wendell Griffin, Imam Ahmad Achasi, just a, a terrific group of people. So that's weekly. And then I do kind of the deeper dive, longer form stuff, such as the Brother Molly podcast, which I really enjoy. Well, one of the things I think is interesting about this conversation we can have is our the podcasts are very different. And so, you know, I've got a weekly kind of interview and the BJC has a couple of different formats that it's used over the years, but using the series format now the last couple of years is very topically linked for a number of episodes and then the narrative podcast of Brother Molly. I think that helps shows us a lot of different types of podcasts that people can can use. You know, in our, in our first podcast series, we really started podcasting when we had these lectures that we had in our archives. We thought we've got these lectures, there's videos, but who wants to watch a 45-minute video of somebody great, but who wants to really watch that? So we took some speeches we had and some lectures just to put them in a podcast format, just to kind of make that more accessible in different ways. And that's how we started podcasting. Then we kind of developed into more of those focused discussions, which we've all kind of learned seems to be even more effective and more helpful. Yeah, it's been really interesting to see the evolution of podcasting. I remember, I'm old enough, I'm 48, and I'm old enough to remember <laughs> the, the beginning of the internet and how podcasts were around. I mean, there there was such a thing, there was a term in the early days of the internet, and but they never really caught on the way they have now. And maybe that parallels the growth of, of audiobooks, for example, and, and people's proclivity to be willing to just listen to things and maybe read, actually read less, but to listen to things. And that's not a judgment so much as an observation, perhaps. But I will say that when we started podcasting at Good Faith Media, there were two people I called to try to help me figure out how to do it. One was Brian Kegler, one was Sherilyn Crow. So I have you both to sincerely thank for sharing your expertise. And we were chatting earlier about just you know, having friends in the business or in the same kind of sphere of work. And so I count you both not only friends, but really colleagues I respect and other people should know. I think maybe we might get around to talking about the how-tos of podcasting or some tips and tricks. But I, I have to say for anyone who might be listening that you know the two people on this with me are the two people I called and got really good advice. So thank you very, both very much.
Well, maybe that we should start with the practical side. And I think that that's one of the things, Cliff, that you were just kind of noting that's important is, is that you don't have to reinvent the wheel. And so maybe we could each go around and kind of share what platform and software we even use just to give people a sense of some different options. And then we can maybe talk about some of the lessons that we've learned, because I know that I don't really like to go back and listen to my first couple episodes because I know that I can put them together and edit them a lot better now. So we, we are, so, so because of COVID, we are doing this particular podcast on a platform called Squadcast which allows us to see each other visually, but we're only recording the audio for the podcast. And it, one of the really nice features about it is it does record each person as a separate track. And so that gives something we can talk about on the editing side in a moment, something that I, that I like and that I have some really clean tracks and I can just completely mute somebody off in the background. Or if there's, uh, particularly if someone's not wearing headphones, all, all of us are, are using the, the headphones. But if someone's not using headphone, if I have a guest, then sometimes I can hear my questions coming back through on their track a little bit. So I can just completely mute their track while I'm asking a question because it's a completely separate track. And so it gives a really clean audio. But this is completely new to me. I just started using Squadcast in March because of coronavirus. I, in the past, generally preferred to do my interviews in person. And that has included a couple of different recording uh, options. If people were nearby, I have a nicer microphone desktop that I microphone that I could plug into my computer and record that way. But honestly, most of my interviews I've recorded on a cell phone. I, I do have an external mic that I, I bought about a year ago to plug into the cell phone, which more directional, it helped cut back, cut out some of the background noise when I was doing some of the interviews, but most of them I've just recorded on a cell phone in person with people. And so this is a new platform for me that I'm still learning. I have done a couple of via Skype, calling people on their landline while I'm, I'm on my computer. I know there's some other ways that we can do interviews. So on the, on the how-to on the recording side right now, this is definitely a transition for me and learning on doing these more virtual interviews. So I will be curious on how both of you have been doing your interviews on the recording side. Well, I think obviously the coronavirus pandemic changed how we do this immediately. And we even, you know, thought, because we, we work in a small office. And so right now my series is just people in person who I work with. So it's much easier to get people together to control, to make sure people show up for the show. There's no issue like that. So I can discuss what I do in real life. But in current life, we had to figure it out pretty fast. We're doing a weekly podcast and our podcast became almost a breaking news podcast because things happened so quickly during this time. We couldn't record something a week before and then edit it because there was new news all the time. So we um, went to Zoom, which we already had. Then I've got a recording device that I use normally, but I just plug that into my computer. Then I've got Holly and Amanda on Zoom wearing Amazon's finest headset, which we already had to use for microphones. And that way they can see each other and they can see me, which I will hold up timing cards for them when there's about 10 minutes left or just so they kind of have a feel for where they are on the show. And we do it that way. I do not have separate tracks, which, of course, right now I'm thinking Squadcast, note to self. That seems great because that's one of the hardest things about editing now. It's all the same track. Then, of course, if somebody's internet gets a little bit high or soft, their voices, I can't quite equalize them the same way. Normally, my recorder I use where I've got each microphone coming in separately, I can record the levels on each microphone as well. I can adjust them as I record. So if somebody's a little bit softer, somebody's a little bit louder, I can make that even out. So the editing time in the back end is much less. So we're doing them by Zoom right now. And 
it works out well because again, seeing each other during a conversation, there's nothing really like that. You're not you're not doing hand signals necessarily, but you just feel more connected. And this time where we're so disconnected, it's really nice. But that's how we're doing it right now. And I use Adobe Premiere to edit it and put it together, lay some music down. So that's generally what we're doing these days. In real life, I have something pretty simple that's easy to move with me. I have a couple of Shure SM58 microphones that I plug in with some cables, XLR, XLR cables, but just, you know, pretty simple like that and just still recording on this. And of course, people can do super fancy microphones, all these fancy things with sound guards. I mean, all this stuff. But honestly, once you have some clear pretty robust microphones, the sound is pretty good. And you can travel a lot easier than that as well because we don't have a podcast studio in real life. So yeah, so we're doing it by Zoom right now, which again, just gives you one track to edit from, which is more complicated, but also we already had the Zoom account. It's free and it's been a pretty easy transition and the quality has not suffered too much. It's definitely, I can tell a difference, but I'm not sure it's that bad overall. Mitch and Autumn, who are in charge of the Good Faith Weekly podcast, use Zoom. And I was a guest on the podcast when Brother Molly released. And so Erica Whitaker, the narrator, and I were, were guests on the podcast. And so I've had the experience of you know being exposed to Zoom podcasting in that regard. But that is the platform they use. And they got into that pretty quickly, clearly when the pandemic started. So that's their platform of choice. In working on Brother Molly, almost all of the interviews I did were in person, which uh, this was pre-pandemic way back when. And... Clearly, uh, I think probably if most of us had our choice, as you were saying, that's how we would prefer to conduct all of our interviews for the interpersonal reasons. There were a couple of interviews I did conduct just by phone, just uh, routing my audio into a digital audio recorder and then running the phone through into that as well. So, yeah, I mean, there's for people who I guess are, are thinking about it, there are lots of options, but I would stress, as Brian said, there's no need to reinvent the wheel. Go to some people who have done it and are doing it and they can give you their best tips and tricks. But yeah, I, if at all possible, I like to be, you know, with people and we'll travel to, or would travel to do that. And presumably we'll be traveling again on our next one. And then I actually edited brother Molly and final cut 10, which uh, because I come from the world of documentaries and video editing, I actually, one of Brian's recommendations was Hindenburg Pro, and I had some other podcasts that I listened to are edited in Hindenburg Pro, and I actually intended to use that one and spend some time with it, and then when production started, it just really took off, and I quickly saw that one of my biggest challenges, in my case, for the kind of podcast I was producing, was the organization and management of just lots and lots of material, and I was kind of you know, I jumped in the deep end and did not have time to learn the organizational components of Hindenburg Pro in a way that I felt comfortable with. So I just stuck with what I knew, which was management and Final Cut 10. And so that served me well because there were, you know, several dozen interviews and hundreds of pages of transcripts. And so management of information was key. So depending on the type of podcast you're going to do, you might find that one program is more suitable. Autumn, who edits our Good Faith Weekly podcast, she edits in GarageBand, which is another popular platform, of course. And so, you know, you can kind of sample 10 people and you might get three, four options. But yeah, I mean, I I would not be considered a purist because I'm editing a podcast using Final Cut 10, but it's what worked for me. 
I used to use Audacity when I started editing podcasts because it was free. It's not super great for lots of different tracks, but it's a free program. You can get it from the internet and it worked fine. I can add music to it and put the lecture in there, put a quick open and close and be done with it. So, because I felt like it's sometimes it's a barrier. People think I've got to have some kind of fancy editing software or know all this stuff. I mean, just getting the stuff laid out is the key to it. Yeah. Yeah, and we should probably talk a little bit about the particular difference of what Cliffs was doing. So when when I'm putting together a podcast, you know, I, I generally have maybe three things that you're hearing. You're hearing my voice, you're hearing the guest voice, and then there's a little bit of music at the beginning and the end. And so it's nice in Hindenburg Journalist that I use that it does have, I can have those as separate tracks. And so then particularly, like on the volume issue, if my guest is talking a little bit softer than I am, which actually happens a lot. And so when we're doing these interviews, I, I, I move into my projection voice and they don't always follow me that. So I can just go and uh, put them on a completely different level. And so then I can change their volume level universally across their whole spot and not be changing my volume when there's a separate track. That That's one of the advantages of having the separate track is that I can just increase the volume of one person and not the other a little bit quicker that way. And so having that is... That's still pretty simple, though. I'm, I'm dealing with, you know, maybe three, four different voices or sounds. And so, what, Cliff, I wonder if you could talk a little bit. For those who haven't heard the podcast, and everyone should go check it out because it is phenomenal. And I know that there's a ton of that, that editing work in there that's much different than what happens on an interview podcast. I wonder if you can talk about a little bit of what that means to do a narrative podcast. Yeah, and just to piggyback on something you said, I think Hindenburg Pro would have done what I needed, it was just for me, it was a, it was the learning curve and the, and the time crunch. And so I, I think I could have gotten there if I had more time to get familiar with it. But I just, I had to, had to be able to organize lots of material very quickly. So Brother Molly is what we would call a narrative podcast, or sometimes we called it a documentary podcast. And so I thought of it more as an audio documentary. And you know, some people talk about video podcasting, and I don't so much. I mean, a podcast is is strictly audio, but so you do have to kind of clarify terms with people. But I think of of Brother Molly as an audio documentary, and so in the same way that we've done other documentaries, where we might go interview a couple dozen people, and it's audio and video, and we come back and we're trying to organize and gather lots of information. It may or may not have a narrator. It, it you know has music. It has title cards, and so there are lots of building blocks from a storytelling and narrative perspective that you use to put it together. And in the case of Brother Molly, as an audio-only product, we still had lots of interviews. We still had music. We had sound effects. We had archival material like you would in a, in a visual documentary. We had a narrator. That's Erica Whitaker, senior pastor of Future Park Baptist Church in Louisville. So we still had all these building blocks that you're just putting together. Yeah, and you mentioned the video component, Carolyn. You all do also put out you put out the audio and video version of your episodes, correct? We did before the coronavirus. So yes, yeah, so that's something that we really wanted to try to. So what I would do is I would set a video camera up in the room and just be able to sync the good audio from the podcast with the video because I want to make sure people could ac access the podcast and find it in a way that spoke to them. And it also works great for a social media tease. So I'd use that a lot for the first few episodes, trying to get like a good three-minute social media tea. So you can kind of see people talking, you feel more connected to them. But with the coronavirus, we stopped doing that just because it was, well, first of all, I'm in the third box on the video with the 
I carved the number 10 on it. We've gone 10 minutes. So I look like I'm, you know, giving different rounds at a boxing match, basically, as I do that. So, but I, I love video podcasting. I think that, and there's lots of different schools of thought about that. During our Christian nationalism series, I did one, we had four guests for one of them. It was um, Amanda Tyler, Holly Holman, then Rabbi David Saperstein, and Melissa Rogers, who went to a podcasting studio in D.C. where they could also film the video of it as well. So we put that out as a video and as a podcast, too. And yeah, some people just want to hear stuff on YouTube. Some people just put stuff on YouTube with the graphic the whole time, but the audio is there. And they use YouTube differently than other people do, perhaps, who are just Googling, you know, old serial commercials who want to see that on YouTube instead. So yeah, so I love the idea of having video podcasting to go with a regular podcast. Obviously, with the video podcast, you can't do any cuts or edits without it being obvious if you need to retake something. But you know, because to me, podcasting is all about giving people information in the format they can most easily digest it. And it's a different way to give stuff. Maybe we're writing about these issues, but we can also say it in a podcast. If you want to see a video, here's a video for you as well. Just trying to make people have access to what they need to break down an issue and connect with it in different ways. I'm curious. So, you know, Sherilyn, what you're producing is often, or at least in this series, that's a conversation sort of between Amanda and Holly and Brian. A lot of your stuff is you interviewing someone else, but I wonder if both of you might chime in on your preferences or the, the likes and dislikes when you have multiple people that you're talking to at once. So maybe you interviewing two people or three people and what do you like about that and not like? I love a good interview podcast because it's very straightforward. It's easier to prep for if you're the interviewer because they do all the work. You have to know what questions to ask so you don't, you know, I hear you wrote a book. What's that about? That's not a question you need to ask somebody. But it's, you know, there's work to do. But when you're interviewing somebody, you have experts on your show. So you can do a lot more episodes that way or just different ways to do that. For me, in a conversation podcast with Amanda and Holly, I've got two experts. And so they don't interview each other. Sure, you know, one might know more about this issue than the other or know a deeper way, but it's trying to make sure that you don't have an interview with two experts. We have a conversation. And that means you've got to have people who work well together to make that work. And they've got to have time to prep as well to talk about what they want to talk about instead. So you want to make it feel even only because that's the goal, because you want to invite people to a conversation. They're not watching like a roundtable interview or something like that. So that's the complicated part in doing an interview versus a conversation. And so making a conversation is a little bit different, but I love a good, when it's done right, it's done so well. And I really enjoy those sort of like two experts talking about things that they think about and they'll feed off each other really well. And like, oh, you know, you mentioned this, that also reminds me of this. And that's what you want in certain formats. If I could interject before we hear from Brian, just to give a plug for respecting religion, one of the things I love about it is just the you know, a sort of civics lesson as a lot of us are looking around at the world on fire and <laughs> bemoaning this, that, or the other, and but the ways in which our civics education has been gutted, despite the best efforts of a lot of people, you know, and educators working really hard, but the, our sort of collective responsibility for falling down on the job in terms of civics education. But this podcast, I would say, as a listener, is it's just, it's great as a as a sort of civics lesson, as we talk about church-state separation, religious liberty, and the fact that you do have two experts like Amanda and Holly in conversation talking about it, we play it for our kids, and it becomes a conversation starter at dinner or something else. So anyway, I just wanted to say that. That's great, and I love that. I mean, one reason we started doing this, and we discussed it for a while before we found the right time to launch it, I said, you know, 
I love going to your offices and saying, help me understand this better. Talk me through this a little bit. I read news. I know news, but just having people who are really deep in the legal stuff, but then can explain it to me, who's not a lawyer, is so helpful. And so, and they just do that really well together. And I'm, I'm glad that's working well for you too. That's that's what we want to do. We want to start more conversations and just kind of give people tools they need to know how to approach an issue and approach it in a friendly manner and just kind of talk it out. Yeah, and I think you also you just said something there that I think is important of the behind the scenes, the planning before launching the podcast, you know, you're talking about planning out what the series is going to look like. Obviously I know with brother Molly, there was, you were working on this thing for well over a year before it came out. Um, obviously right. there's a lot of audio editing and so forth, but just even trying to plan out the story. And, and we did the same thing and we're in way when we were thinking about launching a podcast, partly because, you know, it, podcasts were becoming a big deal in late 2017, early 2018. And I enjoy podcasts. I listen to lots of them. And so I thought, you know, why not? And so we, you know, we, we bounced around ideas of different names, which had a little bit different focus and topic and format. And so I think that's a, a big key is planning out what that niche is. And so we really decided to launch into for this podcast, the interview format. And so I would say better than 90% of the episodes have been me one-on-one -on -one with somebody. There've been a couple of episodes where we've had multiple guests that doesn't always work as well. Somebody is usually the more dominant talker. And then there's always the time issue. I try not to let the podcast get too long. I've kind of made a personal decision that no podcast episode will get more than an hour long total. I've only had to cut a couple of people <laughs> audio <laughs> to make sure just naturally the conversations, you know, I can kind of wear people down eventually and get, get them to tell me the, the core. But I also think, you know, they can get more personal that way and focus on, you know, one person's life and one person's ideas. And so that's been the focus. We've had a few commentary and a couple of panel conversations, a couple of sermons that we put in as bonus episodes right after interviewing someone. But for the most part, it's been that interview format. And I, I think that that is something that's helpful that people kind of know what to expect in a podcast, that it's okay to have some episodes that deviate, but that 90% that of those episodes are going to have the same basic format. And that's why people are coming to the podcast, because that's the type of thing that they wanted. Some of the earlier episodes, we, we were kind of doing a little bit of a mix and then kind of found our voice in the feel of just this you know, interview focus I got better at doing interviews and so forth. And so, you know, particularly the link that we wanted. And so I think that that helps. It's just kind of planning out, but also having something that people, they know what they're going to get. There's a reason why they're coming back to this podcast. It's not that every episode is just randomly doing something different. Yeah, I, there's a great book that I read that I will recommend called, um, it's called Make Noise, A Creator's Guide to Podcasting and Great Audio Storytelling by Eric Nuzum. He used to work at NPR. I went to a book talk he gave here in D.C. a while back. And he talked a lot about just when you, you know, everybody wants to do a podcast. I can do a podcast. I'll do whatever. I'll throw it up there. But just making sure that, you know, give listeners, let them know what to expect. Let them know how much time you're going to take of theirs. I mean, you know, you don't want to do 15 minutes one week, then 45 or an hour and 15 minutes the next week. You want to have like a range. You want to have a pretty consistent format. You can always break, but just sort of those things because it's like a building trust with your listener. What can they expect from you and what you'll surprise them, of course, but just sort of giving them that sort of trust. Like I know that when I tune into this podcast, I'll spend about this amount of time. It'll be this sort of... um this format. I'll know which voices I recognize, which voices I don't recognize. It's really helpful too. He even recommends having a 10 word description of your podcast, which is very difficult to do. And there's certain words you can't use like, you know, interesting or in depth or like all these words that are like, you know, the, the no words you can use, but it's just a real challenge. I think to 
and Brian, I want to echo that. I think what makes it so successful and like you've done so many episodes of your podcast, you've had all these different guests, but you've got some consistency. You've got a focus, you've got a reason. And that's why people want to hear that kind of stuff. I mean, granted, everybody has different opinions on different things, but, you know, getting established in a system and a rhythm for people, that's what people need to know what to expect. And I really appreciate how you do that so well with so much variety of topics. And just to bolster the point y'all are making about structure, uh, so for example, Good Faith Weekly that Mitch and Autumn host basically has three segments, and it's 35, 40 minutes every episode. And so three segments, the first segment's Mitch and Autumn talking, kind of conversation, how's the week going, what's, you know, what's your pandemic status kind of thing. Segment two is a deeper dive, maybe an article that we've carried at the website or another you know, media topic that's getting a lot of attention in segment three is the interview with a person or a duo. So yeah, structure. Well, you know, we've talked a little bit, Cliff, about your editing approach, which was a heavy edit as a narrative podcast. And Sherilyn, I thought maybe you and I should both also kind of mention, because there, there are different approaches to editing, just even like an interview or a conversation. So how heavy of an edit do you do after the recording? Well, you never want to make something sound not conversational. So, you know, what do I want to do? Take out every um anybody says. But that makes it sound like we're all polished robots or that we are actors from Hollywood. And that is not the case. Um, so there you go. So leave that one in. So I, I do some editing like that. If it's too distracting or there's ways to clean it up a little bit, I'll try to do that. When, we're, when there's no video that matches it, I've got more freedom to take out restarts that may be natural and sound, but you have too many restarts. You want to kind of clean that up for people. So it's sort of a, I don't have a great strict philosophy on that besides I want to sound conversational, but not distracting in a way that makes you frustrated. Like get to the point or what was that? Or what did they, I didn't understand that word very well. Try to make it as clean as possible. And you can tighten up some stuff as well. But you know, if people have a long pause, they're thinking, Leaving that long pause in there helps you understand that they really took them a second to come to this point, and it kind of emphasizes that more. I mean, what do you do? Do you heavily edit? or? I, I mean, I do do a heavier edit because I, I know some podcasts, people will just release it. You know, they mm-hmm. record it, they release it, and that's it. And, you know, I, I've gotten quicker at editing, which helps. So that's one of the things that I don't spend as much time editing for a couple of reasons. One, I've gotten a bit, probably a bit more selective. And so I will try to hit those vocal fillers that are separate from words. Mm. You know, if it, if it bleeds into another word, it's that's pretty hard to cut very cleanly without spending a lot of time. But the ones that are just kind of sitting out there. And, and part of this is I heard another podcaster, and I, I don't actually remember who it was now, but who was talking, who, who doesn't podcast, he edits a bunch of podcasts for for a media company. And so he does several podcasts each week that he's on the editing side. And he just talked about the fact that that people only have so much time. And so one of the things that he wants is that he wants that experience of listening to the podcast, not to have these wasted times just kind of all adding up. And so that he could spend a little bit more time on the edit side to make it cleaner and a little bit quicker, you know, still kind of a natural pace. Obviously, you can, you, you can edit out too much there, but that, that people are, are investing their time in this. And so that kind of affirmed in me that it was worth the time to do a little bit heavier edit and, you know, it's a time commitment, but you know, it's, I think it's worthwhile on the listening experience. And, you know, sometimes there's background noise that we need to cut, or, you know, sometimes we have to do a retake or there's sometimes if there's 
a mic issue. Sometimes the breathing to me is a little heavier and distracting with some people than others. And so <gasps> I will on those interviews. <laughs> <laughs> Darth Vader yeah, on your yeah. podcast. <laughs> He's right. So on those, uh, those I will spend, and that one can get frustrating on the editing time, but I will spend some time to either try to wash out that audio a little bit or to go through and just capture those big breaths and just, you know, slice them and shrink them down, not take them out. I still want the timing in there. And, and I'm even fine with people still hearing a little bit of breath, but just to, to lower the volume on those breaths. Again, I'm just trying to, I, you know, the key is, is the listener experience. And so that's something I try to keep in mind. It's, it, I think it's harder in many ways to produce a product knowing that it's going to be consumed in a way and in environments that you just can't even predict. Hmm. So people listening to stuff at one and a half times speed or, you know, kind of the, the general platform agnosticism, if you will, where I'm listening to it in my headphones. Someone else is just listening to it coming out of their eye. You know, someone else has a great speaker. Someone else is listening to it in their car. I'm listening to it while I'm, you know, and you just can't predict all of these, you know, listening environments. Unlike yesteryear when consumption was a little bit more regulated because it wasn't being consumed here, there, and everywhere. But that's the reality in, in, in which we live. And you just hope that the people who would be interested in your content will find their way to it. I know. And I think a lot about multitask podcast listeners. And I mean, I multitask doing podcasts, but there are, think about a good friend of mine at church who told me the story where she was talking to a colleague of hers in the break room. He had an earbud in and they were talking about podcasts. And she was like, oh, are you a big podcast fan? He's like, oh, yeah, I'm listening to one right now <laughs> during their conversation. And so she was like, I don't understand quite how he's doing this all the time. I'm like, well, he's not taking notes. He's not listening to podcasts that are going to be super deep, I'm sure. And so some of these conversational podcasts, especially dealing with legal issues like we do, there has to be sort of a relaxation of not getting stuff wrong, but not trying to get it all just like here is a 45 minute presentation I would give to a bar society. But this is let's talk about this in layman's terms a bit looser so we can kind of look at the core issues. And if you want to know that if you want to read all the law, then here's the brief you can read. But just sort of how you make that into more of a conversation. That's not just something you would do for a class to listen to that. Yeah, I podcast all the time and you all can't even tell. I mean, I, I could be listening to another podcast right now. <laughs> <laughs> I had another question for you both. I think it pertains to the type of podcasting that we all do, that is trying to come up with new topics. I mean, not that the world is an uninteresting place, but nevertheless, you, you have to line people up and formulate questions and write intros and outros and, and other things. And I mean, y'all know more than anyone that like this, these digital channels are just monsters and they just constantly have to be fed and you don't have the option just not to, to do something. And so we talked about that a little bit more. I was interested in that. If you go through and look through the episodes, you can definitely find topics that, that have some, you know, peak moments. Like there's something that's really resonating. Maybe it's attached to something news related. Maybe it's just something that this topic just seems to really be in the air. And so we kind of really will hit it and then kind of bounce back to some other topics, you know, some key topics coming back over and over. But, you know, and another part for me on finding guests, which is different now than it used to be, is, you know, I was usually at events. And so a lot of it was just access, right? Paying attention to who's here, who can I corner, you know, that has some time and that we can sit down and have a conversation with. 
And so that's that has also been a big part of it. It's just kind of looking around and paying attention to who might be a, a different voice, an interesting voice, a different interesting perspective that I can get a few minutes with. I mean, yeah, for us, we started the podcast series with a list of about five or six episodes we knew we wanted to do, and we've done some of those, but then when we got into it, it didn't matter as much. Like we, um, I think about, we were going to do an episode about the travel ban, President Trump's travel ban on certain countries of Muslim majorities, then he did a travel ban that was based on health reasons later on, but the world got so crazy that we moved so far beyond that topic that we haven't done that on a podcast yet. We still might, but it's funny how you have some stuff, you know, you want to do, I call them the evergreen shows back in the old TV days, like the good interview you can do with a historian that you could play again at Christmas. You have to do a new episode that week. So we had some evergreen topics like religion and public schools. We talked about the national prayer breakfast and then some Supreme court cases that of course was the court was considering this term and that we'll have decisions on later. But then as stuff changed for us between the coronavirus pandemic and then also these times of racial unrest, what that means from, you know, personal liberties and religious liberty, how that ties together. And so we really shifted our topics. And for us, because it's become such a breaking news podcast in ways we didn't anticipate, you have to kind of wait and say, okay, what is it that we should talk about this week that is appropriate and part of the national conversation, but not losing our narrow focus in our work. That's been a little bit trickier. It's, I mean, there's plenty to talk about, but you want to respect also what the world is talking about, not trying to make it about this one issue all the time. And so that's been unusual in ways we didn't anticipate. But yeah, I mean, you have to, if you're doing a podcast every week or every so often, there's only, you've got to make sure you've got a plan because some you can't say, well, we'll see what's in the news on Monday. I mean, this is not the six o'clock news. You've got to wait and plan for that. Yeah. And it is one of those things, you know, it, the timing of a podcast, we were talking about, you know, people expecting, and that is one of the things, you know, to m- make a commitment to how regular or frequent you will be. And uh, I think generally you find that podcasts that at least do well are, are either in that kind of weekly or every other week model or have the the seasonal approach, which is particularly more common with the narrative podcast because they have so much of the behind the scenes work to build up to that that storyline. And so, you know, one of the things about going to an event would always be, you know, I could knock out four or five interviews if I had a really good couple of days. And so then I have a bunch of them ready. And even before we launched, we waited it to launch the podcast after I had about four or five interviews the first several Cliff was uh, the second or third episode on the show, but he I think he was the first one I had recorded. And I had multiple, several of them recorded before we actually launched the show. And and even now, I mean, I have a, I have a spreadsheet where I kind of plan out guests and so forth. And then below that, I have lists of like people that might be invited to, you know, jump on that list. And so, you know, some of them, I'll record them and I'll put, put them on a spot. They're, mar- they're highlighted that they're already recorded. And something more timely might happen. And so that was a little bit more of an evergreen interview. And I can just kind of cut and paste them a little bit further down the list, which is nice if I have some extra ones that are just sitting out there. And so, yeah, keeping that that schedule and planning out and thinking about and, and getting some interviews that can be more evergreen is really nice to have. And then, you know, when you have a, a week where things just didn't come together the way you expected, you you have one that you can pull up real quick. I think if, if people are listening and looking for a common thread, one of the things they might hear would be the importance of organizational skills, which is never the sexiest thing to talk about. (laughs) There really is no substitute for it as far as I can tell. Like in order to be efficient and productive and just try to do good work, you have to be organized and or someone on your team, you know, that has to be their 
designated job. Um, and I'm not surprised. I mean, I know you both are, I just don't think you can do the work if you don't have pretty well-developed organizational skills and a commitment to organize material, people, logistics, even in the age of virtual interviews, it still, you know, takes time to line people up and, and just kind of move things through the system. And you've got to be willing to just dump your plan aside if you have to. I mean, you've got to be willing to be organized, but not be so beholden to what you think you want to do that you can't be nimble enough to change it up. Because that's sort of a thing you just, that's the way the cookie crumbles in this sort of way. I mean, it's sort of like in local news, you do a whole show, you're ready for the six, six o'clock news and tornadoes come through. And so you have to dump the whole show for weather the whole time. And that news is no good the next day because it's news of that day. That's sort of a lesson for this stuff too. You got to think about, okay, when do I need to stick to my plan? When do I need to say, okay, this can wait. And this needs to be done instead. And then I've got to hustle to make it happen. Well, one of the things I wanted to ask, because I'm curious so that we can learn from each other and I want to learn from you all. But what are some lessons or some things that you have learned during the process of podcasting? Things that particularly you wish, oh, it would be nice to have known that before I started, or at least, you know, like several episodes ago. I mean, I'll start. Well, since I threw that one out, I've already been thinking about it. So I'll start and then you all can throw out some. I mean, one of the things that 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 I knew, but has that I have found to be even more important than I realized was the importance of getting that clean audio. And I, and I knew this a little bit from, you know, doing some audio and a little bit of like short video shoots that, and, and Cliff had given me advice when I was shooting some videos back in the day for Ethics Daily on, you know, things to think about. And one of them was thinking about audio, but particularly with podcasting when there isn't a video and it is just all audio, I, I've learned to be so much more careful in thinking about the environment in which I'm recording. This is particularly when I'm doing a live interview somewhere out in the real world, which I assume will get to happen again someday, of finding that really quiet space. And that might mean walking quite a bit away from the conference and the meeting or wherever it is that I am and getting that quiet space where we can record. And that saves time on the editing side, a lot of time. And then frankly, there's some things you can just never edit out. And so that's been one of the biggest things that I have learned is just to really, really pay attention to listen to what the person is saying, but also to pay really close attention to all the other noises that are happening. Yeah, in a dream world, you've got somebody doing all the tech for you and you can focus on the interview, but that's not the world we live in because we, we all we're kind of one man band in this stuff a lot of times. You especially, Brian, because you also host it. I would say two things I can think of quickly is one is don't be afraid to ask. Even not just colleagues for advice, but just last year during the um, series on Christian nationalism, we want to get like, what's a great theologian that would be great to have on this show? And somebody said, we should ask Walter, Walter Brueggemann. I'm like, we don't know him. He was game to do it. It was a great interview. And so it's sort of people want to do podcast and it's pretty easy to book somebody on a show who may be somewhat famous to you. I mean, you know, it's hard to get super famous like celebrity people because that's a whole different sort of podcast thing. But don't be afraid to shoot for the stars and what you want to do, because people, especially if you can do stuff remotely, people are willing to do that more and more. My other thing I would say I wish I had known earlier, done earlier, is really focus on the music I use in my podcast. So we end up hiring somebody through Fiverr to create music for us. And based on the sort of music we had in our new intro video. And so he kind of adapted that because we, we wanted a certain feel where it was energetic, but not too frivolous. And it was, you know, had some impact to it. But it wasn't just, you know, six o'clock news, but it was, it had some gravitas to it, but it was still fun, which is impossible to do all these things. But it's nice to have your own music that you own the rights to. Nobody else is going to have it. 
and that sort of sets you apart in some ways. But I really like it kind of gives you the energy you need, I think, when you, whenever you have that in your podcast to make it feel distinct. And I really have enjoyed having my own music for this these last two series. And it works because as soon as you mentioned, like I can hear the the I can hear it bouncing in my my ears from listening to it every week. Yeah, that's right. The quick track, I like to call it. That's yeah. right. Yeah, I'll reinforce what Sherilyn says about the music. I mean, in the case of our podcast, Brother Molly, which was a narrative podcast, I thought of the music as really a separate character, and and my thinking about the music morphed as it went along, and this was over the over the course of a year. And so my thinking about a change, but in all of our projects and documentaries and so forth, I do think of the music as a, as a separate character. And sometimes we hire that out and get original stuff composed. And sometimes I spend hours and hours and hours just kind of coming through stock music tracks. But I think it's important. So that's one thing. Another thing, and this is a little, this is unique really, I guess, to, to narrative podcasts and something that I have to get better at. And that is what we would call audio B-roll. And so when we were making Brother Molly, you know, there were times when I was with Molly in location A, B, or C, and I was just kind of getting ambient sound. But even as I look back on that project, I feel that I did not use that adequately and enough. And also, as we talk about the various, even though working on a podcast is quote unquote simpler in that if I, if I travel to a location my audio gear is a lot less than the audio and video gear I'm otherwise hauling. So it's simpler in that regard, but nevertheless, there are still, you know, you want to deploy your powers of observation when you're at a location. And so I, I know that I'm not, I'm not there yet and not doing that part of the job that I want to do. So I've learned, you know, a shortcoming or something. I might throw in a, a thought on the music. I hadn't thought about that part. You all time out your own music. And, and so there are other options for people that don't, you know, necessarily want to hire somebody or, or you know, have the resources. So the music that starts and ends this podcast is one that you can get licenses. There's different sites where you can, you know, buy the rights to use, a, you know, some music, which, which means someone else might end up using the same one. Right. And so that, that is a little bit of disadvantage. You don't necessarily have the, the same level of branding. And I know you all at BJC are using that, that music a little bit more thorough branding all the way through, not just on the podcast itself. So the one I, I used was uh, Jamendo. I don't know if I'm saying that correct. J-A-M-E-N-D-O. I've used it before with, with a couple of videos where you get a little bit of a music soundtrack just for like a short, you know, a three or four minute video project. And, you know, you, you can pick instrumental or not and types of instruments and you can start to sort and search. And I mean, I, I spent uh, a couple of days just listening to like 10 second, like, nope, don't like that one. Just trying to get that sound that I wanted for my head to go with the show because it is, you know, it's the, you know, we have a little clip of audio at the beginning, to, you know, 20 seconds maybe. And then it's, you know, in comes the music. And so it helps set, sets the stage and the mood and so forth. And so it's been a lot of time doing that. And so I think that's a really important step. I like the idea of the thinking about music as a, as another character, which isn't quite as big of a character in an interview podcast as a narrative one, but it's still something that's important. I will say that it's, it is fun. We One of the ones that I use a lot for stock music tracks for purchase is called Pond5, P-O-N-D, and then the number 5.com. And so, yeah, you may not have exclusive rights to that music, but you buy the rights to use it in your projects. But it is fun when you are watching, let's say, House Hunters International, and you hear the music, and you're like, oh, yeah, I use that. Uh, that, that. That's kind of fun. So 
I will throw that out there as, as, a, as a perk of, of the job. Yeah, and there are plenty of free music sites too. If people don't want to do, I mean, it's you. It's not maybe as extensive, but there's tons of free music as well. And so, yeah, it's. Uh, I've spent many hours. I will never get back on music sites <laughs> listening to music because after a while, you're like, it all sounds like corporate videos. And I can't, you know, <laughs> I'm stuck in an elevator. The same. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, and there's almost really a gift to be able to find music well on those sites. And there's plenty of stuff out there like that. There's almost too many options sometimes in these things. You've got to really think about what's your goal and where do you want to spend your time and energy and money? Yeah, and there's something too. I just think about the music and just all these things and the the audio cleanliness. I mean, Brian, and I just want to echo that too. You can't overemphasize the importance of the technical stuff when it comes to a podcast. I mean, I will listen to a good interview where there's like, you know, a backhoe in the background if it's I really care about it. But that's harder for me to do. It's a bigger lift. But it takes time to really you have to intentionally think about these things or say or tell somebody to stop or make somebody move. You have to kind of, again, kind of don't be you have to be, not be afraid to ask what you need. Ask for what you need. I need a better room for this. I need more soundproofing or I need for you, this person I'm interviewing to come with me over here. It can be kind of frustrating. You got to make sure you don't do that in a way that makes that person feel more uncomfortable. But you'll say your sound will be so much better. And it's like video. You know, any good video has good sound. And sometimes you'll see a video be like, oh, this video didn't seem very professional. I can't figure out why. Well, the sound was bad or there was kind of messy sound and you can't put your finger on it sometimes. So, yes. And like Cliff was saying, while you've got less equipment for podcasting, it's so crucial to do what you can. And I mean, I always learn new tricks, too, to make my sound cleaner, to make it feel crisper, to make it feel more um, more full as well. So it's not just so flat, but a fuller, richer sound, even in voices it makes a big difference. As they say, nothing ruins good video like bad audio. And in the case of podcasting, audio is all you have. And so it is critical. And so we don't say that to, to scare people, but to say that, you know, just pay attention to it and don't be afraid, as Cheryl was saying, don't be afraid to ask a question or, you know, spending 30 seconds now will save you an hour, two hours trying to clean something up and in post-production. Yeah. You don't want to fix it in post. If you can avoid fixing it in post. Right. Always, cliche. <laughs> cliche. <laughs> we'll fix that in post in the eight hours I have to get this one small glyph out of there. I had one guest that we moved twice during an interview <laughs> at CBF last year. And so, you know, but it was, it was worth it to get a, a better, cleaner interview. And the nice thing with just audio then is no one sees the cut. Right. And so we could just, uh, all right, time out. We're going to move over here and then restart. And, you know, no one else, no one else even knows it happened. And so we, the two of us can just laugh about it. And it is a thing you have to balance because countless times in my career, I have been with people and it's been a, an important moment in the conversation. It's, you know, it's emotionally heavy or interesting. And then someone starts the jackhammer across the street or the neighbor fires up the leaf blower and it's just, I don't, I don't know any way around. I mean, you try to control these things, but invariably you just, there comes a time where you have to kind of deal with these, with these trade-offs, but you can count on that happening at some point. I think you, you, you gain an ear for it. You know, I think one by doing it and then two, you know, like I said, I, I already enjoy listening to podcasts. And now that I do a podcast, I also listen to podcasts a little bit differently. And so I try to listen to, you know, the podcasts that I think 
that when I get done with it, I think that was fun to listen to. Like, not just that I learned something, but also that it was just really high quality, well done. And, and thinking about what is it that made it sound good? What, what were the dynamics that work? But then also when I'm recording, I have an ear now, better ear for listening for what's happening. Uh, you know, and and why maybe going outside for the nice interview because I can now hear that that bird is singing. That's going to be really annoying <laughs> and trying to edit out later. And so I think that that is one of the key is just doing it over. Yeah, like I, yeah I joked earlier, I don't like listening to my first couple episodes, but I wouldn't have the episodes that I have now had I not started at some point. And then also just listening to other podcasts to get a feel for the type of podcast that I want want to be when I grow up, you know, as a podcaster. And, and one more thing I'll say is, you know, background sound or ambient sound is not always bad. Sometimes, you know, if you're recording someone on the street and they're giving you an interview and you can hear the chanting or the sirens, there's a time and place when that's appropriate. Now, it would still be frustrating if you couldn't hear the content of the, inter- of the interview, uh, but it, it's not always bad. It has to be contextualized. We've talked a lot about technical stuff, but... Maybe for people that are that enjoy podcasts or looking for other podcasts to listen to, what are a couple of podcasts besides these three podcasts right here, which are obviously really, really good, and we listen to them all. Uh, but what are a couple of other podcasts that you enjoy listening to? One of my favorite podcasts is S-Town. Uh, it's a narrative podcast. It's a couple of years old now, but it's about my home state of Alabama, which is uh, delightfully weird in many respects. So it resonated with me, but I thought the artistry of the podcast and the storytelling of the podcast and was just terrific. So that's one. And the other one, and I'll, and I'll tell you why I'm choosing this one, is a, it's a Spanish language broadcast called Radio Ambulante. And I use it to practice my Spanish. And so I bring that up and it's, and it's, uh, stories. Each episode is different. Um, there, there's kind of a, a host that's in common, but then he pitches it to perhaps a new producer or a new storyteller for that particular episode out of Ecuador or Texas or Argentina. So it's stories from Latin America. But I mentioned it here to say that you can't always predict why people are going to be interested in your podcast. I don't know <laughs> the fact that I'm using it yeah, to, to practice my Spanish was necessarily the expectation of the original producers. Now, since then, they have learned, oh my gosh, there's a lot of people who use our podcast to practice their Spanish. And so they've actually spun off some other products to do more of that. But I think for our purposes here, the point is be open-minded about and, and try to think outside the box for the people who might come to your podcast and the value they might find in it. I'm also from Alabama, and I also love S-Town. That was also a great show for many reasons. I'm going to have to check this one out. So this is why I want to ask the question. I wanted to know what I need to listen to. I mean, I love This American Life, which is like one of the more classic podcasts, perhaps. But just the storytelling in that show, to me, is moving. And the way they pick a theme and have things about that theme, but not what you expect. I think it's, it's very cleverly done. And I have learned from that podcast. They can take you into, it's not a narrative podcast, but it is episode by episode. I just find that just the use of natural sound and just their use of short segments and longer segments, I find just really engaging. I also love a podcast called The Moth, which has got no production value, really. It's just live stories told on stage without notes that people share, but it's a way to have hear people tell their own story. And so often these podcasts are just like a recording of a show they did somewhere. But also what I love about it is you hear the audience in those shows 
And there's something about feeling like you're hearing somebody in person and that sort of, it's a messier sound and some of the sound is really bad sometimes. They'll even say the microphone was off or whatever, or not off, but it was a little bit wonky in this presentation, but just you hear the audience react as well as you react, which is nice to kind of have something less produced. And then I'll also say, I really enjoy uh, the first two seasons of Slow Burn from Slate. One was about Watergate, one was about uh, the Clinton impeachment, but it's a way to make history come alive in ways that, I mean, Watergate is so complicated, but they really made it, the characters of Watergate came alive. And then of course the Clinton impeachment is, was uniquely coming back up in conversations again as well. So the way they interviewed people, but also relied on history as well. I just thought it was very well done and engaging. Yeah, and I think season three kind of lost me, but it seemed like it wasn't topically related to the first two. But season four is coming back to more kind of a political. Okay. uh, It's going to be David Duke and his rise. And so that might be interesting as well, like the first two seasons. So that that is definitely one of my favorites. You know, I I do an interview podcast, but I I listen to a couple of interview podcasts, but I particularly really love narrative podcasts. And it's my dream one of these days to actually do one like Cliff has done. So, you know, I was listening to Brother Molly and be like, oh, that's so good. I have to remember to make sure I do do it, do that. And so some of the ones like 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 Slow Burns, a couple others that I a couple I've really enjoyed have been kind of a one season thing that I don't think have ever come back. And so it's kind of like a short run that is kind of put it out there. Perhaps my my favorite was uh, White Lies, NPR podcast. Fantastic. They look at the story of the minister who was killed during the Selma protest, a white minister who was down there. And they actually solve and resolve some of the story that had never been told before over the course of the podcast. Um, fascinating, really well done. A couple others, there was uh, one, uh, This Land, last year, looking at a Supreme Court case, looking at that ended up not getting solved last year. And they went back to the court again for this year with land and Native American treaties in Oklahoma. And that was really interesting. Another one that was just a little bit newer one was City of Refuge. And it was looking at particularly a minister as well as a a, a community in France during World War II that offered kind of a pacifist approach, the resistance to the Nazis and were saving many Jews in the area. And so it's a fascinating kind of look as well. And so I just really enjoy these stories that are being told. And it, it is interesting telling a story and hearing a story that doesn't include the video. And I think sometimes, you know, with the video side, the images dominate the story. And so when it's just the audio, it really leads us to focus on something a little bit different. And so that's, that's, it's an, it's, it's a different way of telling the story. And I think that there's something that can really come out of that. That's unique. Yeah. And there's something too, I think about people listen to podcasts in earbuds inside their ear. That's a very intimate connection. I feel like you have when you're pumping sound into somebody's ear like that. And the way that people respond to stories, it's a, it's very different. I feel like in podcasting than just other elements. I find it, it can be a very immersive experience, even more immersive than, than watching documentaries, which I love. But for example, you know, listening to S town, was a very you know deeply immersive and emotional and meaningful experience. Well, this is I think a really fun conversation. I'm sorry it couldn't happen in Atlanta for real uh, with the rest of the CBF meeting, but we hope that people will continue listening to us as well as maybe be inspired to try out podcasting for themselves if it seems like a good fit for their ministry or or what they're focused on these days. So, absolutely. Thanks, y'all. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Baptist Without an Adjective. 
And you can find the BJC podcast or the Brother Molly podcast by just searching for them wherever you're listening to this podcast or by heading to their websites. You can find the BJC podcast, which is currently in the series Respecting Religion, at bjconline.org. And you can find the Brother Molly podcast at brothermolly.com. As always, you'll find us at wordandway.org. Don't forget to check out our sponsoring partner for this week's episode, the Cooperative Baptist Fellowship at cbf.net. If you've enjoyed this episode, I hope that you will share it with your friends on Facebook and head over to iTunes or your favorite podcast platform and write a positive review to help more people to find the show. You can find easy-to-share links at podcast.wordandway.org. If you'd like to give to support this program, we greatly appreciate it. And all you have to do at wordandway.org is hit the donate button. And whatever you give there will help support the production of this podcast, our website, and our monthly magazine. And speaking of that magazine, if you're not a subscriber, I have a deal for you. You can get one year for half off at tinyurl.com slash wwoffer. Thanks for listening.